Hello and welcome to Movement, the weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, we interview a leader from within our movement and then ask them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. Uh, my name is Scott Berry, speaking to you as the next-gen uh, team leader, and I'm blessed to have here with us today uh, Josh Kay from Gateway Baptist. So good to be here. Excellent. Awesome to be here. Josh, hey Josh, so what's your role here at Gateway? So my role currently is I'm the youth pastor at Gateway Church. I look after a youth ministry, children's ministry. Um, my heart is for the children here at Gateway, for the children out in the community. Uh, recently just stepping in now to an associate pastor role, so transitioning from the youth and starting to now leverage uh, into a new role, um, which is exciting, it's rewarding, and it's nerve-wracking. Um, but uh, you know, I believe God's got me, and I'm here for a reason, so there's Excellent. a purpose behind it. Right. So I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do. Great. So, uh, Josh, tell us a little bit about your past. How did you how did you end up in a church, for starters? I'm still asking myself that every day. I wake <laughs> up and ask myself, how did I get here? I think for me, I, um, you know, I grew up in a mixed household. So my dad was a Christian, very strong Christian. My mum wasn't a Christian, and um, you know, thankfully she gave her heart not long ago. Um, but I remember at one point when I made my own decision, and I don't know if it was out of fear or if it was out of love, uh, but I remember Dad took me to a play called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. You, yes, you I remember that. I mean, I don't know what sort of parent would take an eight-year-old kid to a play like that. I just remember sitting there as this little kid, and I used to think, used to watch the people that were going to heaven, and it would be this nice angelic music. And I remember I saw it not long ago. Actually, on the YouTube, it was so bad. But when you're in there, it's actually so good. intense. It was intense. And what happened was, is I watched people go to heaven, but when people would do the wrong thing, and their life would be, you know, in turmoil, a mess, they never repented. Then you would see like these these demons coming out and taking them away and dragging them to hell. Well, I'm eight years old. I'm freaking out. And I I remember the pastor did an altar call. And it was Danny Gook. I think it was. I was back at my church. And um, I remember that he said, whoever wants to give your life to Jesus, put up your hand. Well, I'm like, there's no way I'm just going to put up my hand. I actually jumped off out of my seat. (laughs) I run to the front and I'm just like, there's no way I'm going to hell. Yeah. And I just gave my heart then and there. And what happened was is there was a lady that was there that was friends with my dad. And I'm, I'm telling everyone about my experience. And she said to my dad, something I'll never forget. She said, there's something about your son. And she spoke to my dad. And my dad's like, what do you mean? He's running around like a madman. <laughs> she goes, no, no, there's something significant about your son. She goes, I can see the Holy Spirit calling your son. And I remember my dad being like, are you sure you're talking about my son? (laughs) But no, she said, your son, I believe he's got a call and he's going to preach to thousands of people one day. Um, And from there, uh, I had a a call very early on. Great. Oh, cool. How did it go into your your high school years and all that? Yeah, high school's a hard one. You know, um, I sort of, in my life, I think we can all relate to this, but I put Jesus in a box. What I would do, knowing about Jesus, uh, I would often put him in the box. When I needed him, mm-hmm. I'd almost treat him like a genie in the bottle. Yeah. So I, like, you know, Lord, Lord, I, I need to get my exam passed. I need to pass my exam. I need to get that girl's number. Come on, can you help me out? I mean, I, that's, 
that's how I would think about God. He's here to help me. Yeah. He wants to help me. And what happened was is that as I kept doing that, I kept him in the box and I'd almost every day put him back in the box. Mm-hmm. And then when I need something, I'll take him out of the box. And what happened after a while with high school was I got involved in sport. Now, sport is great. Um, but the problem was is that the sport became my God yeah. and he became the, in the sidelines. And so my, my whole identity coming into high school was about sport. That was going to be my mission, my, my, my goal in life. I know Jesus, but I'm going to be an AFL star and make millions of dollars. And the hard thing about high school is that this identity is really big because we, we often make things like sport our identity. That's what gives me meaning. That's what gives me purpose. So I got into sport thinking that that's going to change my life. And the problem was is that one year I was on my way to play SNFL football. Um, I was on my way to start a career. I got really, really sick. And what happened were two events. The first thing that happened to me is that I remember going to the preliminary finals. I was about 12 years old. Uh, I was the captain of the football team. I had everything going for me. And I woke up one morning and I was 20 kilos heavier one morning. Um, my neck had swollen up like basketballs. Um, under my armpits, I had like uh, basketballs, it felt like under my armpit. And I went to the doctors and the doctors came back and they said, look, he's, he's okay, um, we'll give him medication. Kept getting worse and worse and I remember getting a report back from the doctor saying, hey, we actually found out his son's got a rare kidney disease. Now, I had a 12-year-old kid hearing those words, especially as I'm playing sport, my life was crushed mm-hmm. because my identity was built in sports. And, you know, going to the doctors and going to the hospital, trying to sort my life out, I ended up getting taken out of sports, taken out of school, and, yeah, my life got rocked. Um, and not long after that, I thought, well, what am I going to do? Because I've kept Jesus in the box, and it's hard to go back, especially when you walk so far away. Um, and so eventually God healed me, and he healed me of this kidney disease. But instead of turning to him, I actually kept him in the box, I think we do that at times um, because I was angry at God. I ended up getting back into sports and I got back into football again and became my identity. Scotty, the problem was is that I let sport again become my God. I remember waking up one morning about a year after I've just got the kidney disease and then I, I couldn't get up out of bed. This time my body was penetrating. It was, it was hot, so you couldn't even touch me. And we were thinking to ourselves, what the heck's going on? Uh, I was taken out of school. I got a biopsy done. I remember getting a phone call, and I remember um, the doctor said, we want you guys to come in, my parents, my dad, and my mum. I remember getting the phone call, and I was quite frustrated because I'm thinking, I'm a healthy kid. Like, this stuff shouldn't happen. I know God, and I should be able to, you know, be successful. So we ended up going to the hospital, and I remember sitting into the hospital's room, in the hospital room, and it was, you know, those long hallways in the hospital room, they smell... You know, that clean, that clean smell. Don't come to my house, it doesn't smell like that. <laughs> I remember sitting there, and my dad and my mum were sitting around me. And I remember that hearing the doctor's footsteps just vividly in my mind. She comes in, and I remember she got my parents to sit down. And as I was looking at the doctor, I could see my dad. And he's just he was just bawling his eyes out. He's a softie, right? And I'm thinking to myself, what's wrong? Um, and, and I had my family in the room. They couldn't look at me. What happened was is that they turned around, the doctor said, look, we don't know how to tell you this, 
but you've got stage four cancer and you might not be able to make it. And no one could look at me, Scotty, not no. one person. And I'm thinking to myself, wow. You know, the first thing that came to my mind was I'm 16, I was 16 years old. The first thing that came to my mind is I'm not going to be able to pick up girls. I'm going to lose my hair. As a 16-year-old kid, hearing those words, I mean, I didn't know God. And I remember after that point that my parents, we had to make a decision very quickly. Do we fight this thing or potentially I can lose my life? What happened was after that is that I ended up getting chemotherapy and, you know, my dad was distraught and the, the only thing that dad wanted to do, Scotty, before anything else, was get me back to church. Yeah. Now, I was rebelling against church. Now, I've got taken out of school, you've given me a kidney disease, I've taken out of sport, why would I want a God that will give me all these things? You know what I'm going to do, Scott? I'm going to put him in the box. Mm-hmm. This time, I never took him out of the box. Now... Not long after, it was about three or four weeks I was getting chemotherapy. I was in the patient's room and I was watching sick children um, get pumped with chemotherapy, losing their hair. And I'm looking at little kids that are losing their lives and having to deal with that. And Dad wants me to come to church. See you later. I remember that what happened was is that Dad kept calling me, calling me. But this time my parents stood up. They couldn't handle what was going on. Long story short, I won't go on and on, but I'll just tell you how, how, how I came to Christ. Um, eventually, he got me to come to church because I was so annoyed. I was like, Dad, stop bothering me. Stop bothering me. Leave me alone. I'll come once. He took me to a church, and I remember they sat me down, and I, they sat me in a chair, and they just started like, laying hands on me. And I'm looking around thinking they're a bunch of lunatics. They start speaking in tongues, and they were prophesying over me. And But one thing I realized when I was sitting in that chair... I recognized something. I recognized that they had more faith than I've had my whole entire life. I left that meeting. I went home. Dad called me again, didn't answer his calls, never thanked him for that opportunity. What happened was is we got another call from the doctor, and I was getting worse. My body, the chemo, was, it was getting worse. And I thought, oh, this has gone from bad to worse. I ended up getting a call. We went back to the hospital. And then what happened was, I'm like, the doctor said to me, Josh, we, and I was distraught. I'm like, here we go again. We don't know how to tell you this. We've just got more results back. You've just gone from a stage four cancer to a stage two. You're going to make it. You know, and, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. But did I thank God? Kept it in the box. Oh, yeah. yeah. So after that, I just decided that I was going to go my way. I left my family. I was 18 years old. Um, I went back and I started to get involved in things that I shouldn't get involved in. And it's all built an identity. The moment that I came to Christ is the moment that he let me run my course. I ended up on my knees, made every wrong decision. But you know what, Scotty? He forgave me. And I got baptized. And then I actually sensed that I remember as a kid, God telling, to me, telling me in my mind, I was with you when you got kicked out of that scene. I was with you when you had that kidney disease. I was with you in chemotherapy and you're ready. Here I am today. That's great. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Um, was there any people or incidents in particular that, that caused that, that coming back and embracing Jesus again and, and telling him, pulling him out of the box? Oh, look, the, 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 where, I, my, my, where I really transitioned from following Jesus to believing, sorry, in Jesus, to following Jesus, 
was the moment that the church embraced me. Um, and I'm a wildcat. I'm a Greek, half Greek, half Italian. I'm a passionate Greek boy. Yeah. But one thing that I recognize is that I didn't feel judged. Yeah. I, I had a past. I made wrong decisions. But my dad was so influential because he never gave up on me. And I just want to speak to dads as well that never give up. And mm. your kids might not be saved now. But what we're doing, what you are doing, you're planting seeds for the future. And, you know, in Corinthians, it talks about Paul and Apollos, they're, they're watering and they're planting, but it's only God that does the growth. Mm. And we don't know sometimes what that can do just by talking about Jesus. But that's what really saved me, uh, and he never gave up. And that's what I want to be like with my kids. Mm. That's great. Yeah, so who do you hope hears this um, podcast today, and, and what, did, what would you love for them to get out of our time? Well, look, I, I want to speak to, you know, pastors that have children that are not yet following the Lord. Um, I want to speak to worship leaders that got, maybe got family members. And, you know, it's so hard in Christian ministry because we're giving and pouring out so much that sometimes we don't see it reflected in our family. And the tension is we think, well, maybe I've got to be doing more. Um, I've got to be saying more. Um, but I believe that it's about being consistent. Yeah. And I saw my dad go to church every Sunday, irrespective, um, and he never gave up believing that God's going to do great things. We might not see the fruit of it now. But sometimes it's hard to see what's underneath the foundation because it takes time. And if you've got children that don't know the Lord, um, keep praying for them, keep believing, um, and just trust that God's got a plan and He'll never let us down. Excellent. Great to hear, Josh. So I know for a while there, after getting saved, you were involved in um, like selling drinks and stuff in the retail industry. Distribution. Yeah. Um, how did you get from there into pastoring and chaplaincy and other other spaces of your life? Yeah. Your ministry? Look, that was a you know after being saved, uh, I left my old life behind and I, I decided that I'm going to go get a job. And it's funny because the the first I was applying for jobs everywhere, and the moment that I got saved, I remember waking up to a phone call and it was Lipton Ice Tea. Uh, and I never thought I'd get a job at Lipton Ice Tea. I mean, I have no idea about drinks. I got the job interview and then I decided, well, maybe this is where God wants me. So the benefit of that role of selling drinks is it allowed me to go out there all over Adelaide. And you know what? That's where I've developed my people skills, dealing with business owners. And I found myself always talking about church. Um, and one of the things that I love to how I minister is just by talking to people and then saying, what are you doing on Sunday? Here's my opportunity of going to church. And, and what was happening is I was talking about God in my role, but that wasn't forced. And what I realized is that God was teaching me some things about people. And I had to go through this role, which I think is great, um, but allowed me to then get into where I am today. And it gives me the confidence knowing that God's put a gift on my life. And the gift is to share what God has done in my life. And yeah, that role has opened up doors. I ended up coming to Gateway Church, and my pastor Jeremy, um, who's been a mentor and a leader, um, has really helped shape that calling and that gifting of mine. Um, so he allowed me an opportunity in ministry, um, made about 3,000 mistakes, <laughs> about 3,023. Um, but it's so important to, to get invested in your pastor and your leader um, because they really have like, wisdom that we can really use. The first role that I did, they put me in a room one day, my first role at church, and it was a room full of kids. 
There's about 33 kids. And they said, here's a Bible, here's your plan, and we want you to go to teach Sunday school. So I went in there, and then I said, I'm never doing this ever again. <laughs> and after that, that calling, that to God put kids on my heart, and here I am today. Um, yeah. I mean, how did you end up in local school as well? What's, what's this, that connection there? Yeah, so recently, about a year and a half ago, um, I just started loving young people. And I noticed that the young people today are being affected with this concept of identity. And hearing about schools, there are so many kids that are just falling away to the wayside out there. And I've always had this, this passion to be able to go out into schools. Um, so it just happened that I managed to meet some people from SMG, um, Schools Ministry Group, and I was looking for some extra work um, and just really started to get to know some guys down there and they gave me an opportunity. Um, so I started working at a school and I had the, I had the intention, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go bless the children. And the way that I recognise is that what kids need is not only identity help, help with identity, but it's also a lot of kids are struggling um, with families. Their, their parents are, are a lot of, there's a lot of parents breakdown. There's a lot of things that kids are wrestling with. Uh, when I first came to this school, the biggest need that I saw was physical needs, food, shelter. Um, a lot of the kids uh, have no parents at home. They're living with grandparents. What's happening is that they're coming to school without any food. So God put on my heart and he said, what I want you to do, I sense this, is I want you to go and I want you to start a breakfast club. Um, and I had no money, mm-hmm. no resources, nothing. But when God's in it, he provides all your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did a breakfast club. And then from there, we did a lunch club. We connected with Lighthouse. And you know what? The, my mission of that school is every kid's going to get fed. And we're now running programs at the school, How to Be a Man, God's just done amazing things, but I didn't do it on myself. I had a, I had a passion, and God honoured that. Yeah, that's excellent to hear. Mm. Um, and how have things been going with the youth here? What is, how does that, that connection point, and what's, what's that role been like for you? Yeah, look, the role, I've been doing youth ministry for a few years now, being starting at Gateway Church. And I think for me at the moment is now I'm starting to see where the youth, they're not just kids. Mm. Um, one of my, one of my, one of my most thing I'm passionate about with our children is seeing our children flourish in what God's given them. Yeah. And you know what Jesus says: don't let any of these young ones don't cause them to stumble. Um, and I think that, that they're not just children. One thing that I'm trying to do now with our youth ministry is I'm getting them now to start serving out there in the church. And uh, we've been doing youth services. Um, and you'd be surprised, you give a young person a role to do in the church, they jump at it. So my heart now is to be able to be a facilitator, mm-hmm. to be able to get them moving from children to young adults. Um, and that time is so precious. Um, so we've had youth services where the church, they, they took over the whole church. Music, MCs, they had ones on coffee. Um, and it was such a proud moment to invest in our young people, not just preach at them, but allow them to be the leaders. Um, How does the rest of the church find those kind of experiences? Yeah, I mean, one thing that it does, it signals to the church Mm. future, signals to the church direction. When, you know, even the youth pastors, sometimes we don't see the fruit of it. Mm. Very hard to gauge fruit in youth ministry, but it signals to the church that there's a direction that we're going to be heading down, and this is the future leaders future evangelists, the future teachers, 
Um, and we did that one, our first youth service, the, the, the people in the church were in tears. Um, they, were, they were just saying to themselves, these aren't kids. These are our next leaders. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's where my time and my resources go into. Yeah, that's wonderful. Excellent. Um, so in recent um, years, or months and years, what have you been kind of seeing and hearing and learning for yourself from God as you've been in this place of um, serving and ministering? I think from what I've seen in ministry is I've sensed with my own life is balancing your life and ministry life. Yeah. And it's been it's been a tension to understand that our ministry sometimes we think it's just church. But what I've realized about learning about ministry is your ministry is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's you know, one thing that I really am trying to work on is is by allowing myself to spend time with God and also being able to minister to others. I find that when I'm not spending time with God, it's so hard to minister to others. It's so hard. It's like drawing out of an empty well. Mm. One thing I'm learning very quickly is that my relationship with God has to happen first. Mm. And ministry flows for that. Even with my family, it's it's my relationship with God first. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all the things that I need. And I think if we're not spending that alone time, that quality time, that devotional time, because we want to be able to teach and preach. It's so simple, Scott. Sometimes we neglect it. We we do. Um, That's been a real growth of mine now, saying, no, Lord, you're going to be first um, before anything else. Um, And that's where I've seen breakthrough. What happens when I don't spend time with God? You feel burnout. You get burnt out. And you feel like you've got to do more. That's not what God wants for us. He wants us to flow in His Spirit, to... To, to walk in that newness of life. Um, and, you know, Jesus says, come to me all who are thirsty and, and, and I'll give you a drink that will last forever. But sometimes we go to the wrong realms, don't we? And we think we've got to go on holidays and retreats, which is good, don't get me wrong. But I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for him. And when I minister in that way, when my well's full, mm. it flows. Mm. Mm, that's great. Um, and what have been some of the unique uh, challenges of and opportunities of the recent seasons that you've seen? Sorry, can you... Like in regards to like COVID, but also yeah. perhaps changes in culture within school and church and, and all of that. Yeah. Have you spotted any kind of unique uh, challenges or opportunities uh, of recent times that you've oh. seen? Scott, uh, the, world, the world's changing rapidly mm-hmm. uh, and the way we're doing church is changing, isn't it? And, you know, obviously we've all got a different experience after COVID. Everyone's got a different understanding of you know, how people didn't come back, how people did come back. One thing that I've recognised more than ever in this season is relationship. This is the key. Um, because if without relationship, when people aren't connected, there's this depression, there's anxiety, people break down. And I think this is a call more than ever to get back into relationship and connections and I think for me, the, the biggest thing that I've missed in this last year or two is having people come together and, and just really connect. Um, and because that's what we saw with uh, COVID, people were struggling to connect, people were crying out for that connection. Um, and now what we're seeing is that when people are coming back, it's taking longer because we've gotten to this isolation. Um, and you know, my heart when people do come back is that we connect with the church once again, not just on the Sunday, connect groups. You know, I'm big on that uh, as well. And 
also just taking what we know out there in the community is a key. You know, so people need that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so you mentioned about the community. So what are some of your favourite uh, moments or what is it you look forward to when you go to, go to work in the school? Um, what is it that's, that's special and uh, a highlight there in that place where you get to serve oh, a minister? For me, I absolutely love doing the breakfast club. It's one of my favourite things to do in the morning. Uh, I see children that are so excited for pancakes, they're so excited they're going to get a feed, and they have the biggest smiles on their face. I, I have one, one kid who comes up to me and always gives me the biggest hug, the biggest smile, and I know that that one little thing has just changed one child's life. Breakfast club. I'm, I'm also Greek and Italian. We love our food. <laughs> oh, for sure. Pancakes sounds like a great Pancakes, start to the day. You know what I'm saying? I've got yeah. an apron on. I get messy. Yeah. And now what's happening is the kids are running breakfast club. So it's like I don't have to do anything. The kids are there and I'm seeing the kids have a great time and they get to rely on that every Tuesday and Wednesday. And I don't want to let that go. Mm. So my vision and heart is that every day that a child will get fed, Monday to Friday, I'm trying to get volunteers to come into the school, open that up, um, because under my watch, every kid will get fed. That's been my vision, my mission, and my purpose. Um, and also, yeah, that's, that's, that's why I believe God's put me there and here in the church. Well, yeah, so my other question, what is it that's unique that you love about Gateway uh, and that God's called you into this, uh, this um, church family? Um, yeah, what's, what's unique about here? Gateway, you know, when I first came to Gateway, I remember that just experiencing the, the rawness. We're a raw church. We're not a church that exists to be perfect. We, we understand that everyone's different and unique. Um, and I needed a church like that because I'm different and unique. And I remember coming in thinking I'm going to be judged, but I was embraced. And I'm like... I was coming with tattoos and rips in my jeans and I thought, oh no, I'm going to be judged. But you know what? They welcome me. And everybody is unique here and we serve a God that is, who understands that everybody's different. That's why he's given us different gifts. Not only that, but Pastor Jeremy, and I can't he married us. Um, he's been such a great mentor and leader to me as well, as, as you are too, Scotty, you know, which I really appreciate. Um, but it's about allowing people to flourish in their own gifting. And everyone's unique, but if everyone has the heart for Jesus, that's when we flourish. So that's been good. It's been great. Been accepted, um, and I'm moving in my gifting because we're allowing people to be themselves. Great, excellent. Well, as we just kind of wrap up and think about, um, you know, thank you for your time. What would you love to see more of in um, in yeah, followers of Jesus in Adelaide? As if. If Josh could have a word to all the um, movement podcast listeners, but also Christians in Adelaide, what what would be your call uh, to action or for them to kind of step deeper into in regards to Jesus' mission? Look, I, I have a probably a provocative uh, statement, uh, and I did preach on it, but stay free from offence. Stay free from offence. And one of the, what I've realised when it comes to Christians is that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, and he's trying to divide the church. Now, Jesus said in the last days, many will be offended. Um, and it's the, the temptation is that when we come together, we need to stay close together. And the enemy will try to divide us. He'll try to break us up. But one thing is keep free from offense because that's the trap that the enemy uses. 
And Joseph was elevated because he didn't get offended at God. He never once got offended after everything he did. It might not go to plan, but if we keep our hearts right, God's going to use us, the church, and we need to stick together and stay together and pray for each other because the enemy is on notice. I believe Jesus is coming back. We keep forget, sometimes we forget that, but he's coming back for the church that are united, not for a broken church. That's his bride. So we need to be together, husband and wife. That's excellent. That's excellent. Thank you heaps, Josh, for, for your insights, for sharing a bit of your story and, and how God's uh, shaped you, uh, for catching a bit of your passion. Uh, it's a really blessing to hear uh, what he's uh, called you into and, and just the way, yeah, you're really flourishing in this place. So excellent stuff. Thanks so much. Thanks, Scotty. Uh, Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Movement today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe, and tell a friend. We'll be back next week with a sermon from today's guest.